While there has never been a strong Marxist movement in the USA, nor a welfare state as encompassing as those in Western Europe, the idea that the state should have a role in assuring people's well-being underlies programs like Social Security, workmen's compensation, unemployment insurance, and so on. In short, the USA does have socialist programs that smooth the hard edge off of capitalism. We just won't call it socialism. The welfare state offers a compromise between unfettered exploitation and violent revolution. It assumes that those with wealth are willing to share some portion to assure social peace. The first major blow to this compromise was the Reagan-Thatcher model, in which big government was discouraged while entrepreneurship and wealth accumulation were encouraged to make more money available for investment and innovation thereby creating new industries, more jobs, more wealth, and so on. With success, all would benefit, once again, the rising tide. Joseph Schumpeter, who was the first to stress the value of entrepreneurship, believed, interestingly enough, that the logical end of capitalism was socialism. In the US, this attack on the welfare state could be obscured because the public was asked to give up nothing. Instead, unprecedented levels of debt made it possible for the government to have its lower tax cake while eating social programs, too. That model has served until recently, until the more obvious maldistribution of wealth in neoliberal societies exploded in populist outrage. Trump and his fellow plutocrats have exploited that outrage while trying to use it to finish the neoliberal assault on the welfare state. The attack has to be diffuse because programs like Social Security remain popular and cannot be openly dismantled without exposing the plutocrats' agenda and angering those whom the rich have persuaded to think of government as bad. If this sounds contradictory, it is because Americans aren't really opposed to big government. They are opposed to big government that benefits someone else. Trump complicates this sleight of hand further by pretending to increase social welfare even as he and his Republican allies divert resources to themselves and the corporations they control. For example, Trump's claims that he will create a better plan to replace the Affordable Care Act is an example of such an unstable contradiction. Elimination of a beneficial program is sold with the promise of something quote-unquote better, even as what that better program would consist of is left unexplained. It is a little like taking a snack out of someone's mouth and telling them you'll give them a great dinner only to allow them to die of starvation. So, Trump has cast himself as the man to fulfill Marx's predictions about the logic of capitalism as he and his cronies grab more and more and give less and less. All involved should take stock lest they initiate the other part of Marx's forecast, economic collapse, and revolution. You gotta love it, folks, when the people on the right are so stupid that they'll call the people on the left Marxist. Well, better dead than red. It's time to eat the rich.
Hello, welcome one and all to the Eat the Rich podcast. I am your host, RJ Ryan, and uh, I'm. this is my first episode, so I'm just briefly going to tell you um, just a little bit about myself. I am an artist, I'm a musician, now a podcast host, and uh, a centrist. Now, uh, you know, many people, uh, friends, family, and other people, you know, who or in my atmosphere, or will, will ask me why am I a centrist. And uh, it's really quite simple, really. I just believe in an equal balance of power when it comes to government. Uh, this day and age, I am more on the left side of the field, uh, mainly because I don't support um, this dictator and, you know, pretty much anybody who, like, fantasizes about fucking their wives while sucking off the dick of uh, Vladimir Putin. But... Um, yeah, we're in quite um, <laughs> we're in quite a pickle these days. I don't you think? You know, and <laughs> I, oh, the I mean the atmosphere that, that we're living in these days. It's really um, it's really strange. I was told a very long time ago when I was in school, you know, that democracy, you know, is a very very fragile thing, and. I never actually realized that up until this point of how fragile it truly is. We've all kind of been led, you know, to believe that everything will just work itself out, you know, and that the Constitution is a pretty, you know, durable, pretty durable uh, document for the most part, I guess. But um, uh, our founding fathers, I guess, didn't really understand loopholes. And at the same time, I don't think they ever envisioned an entire political party going against its country, you know, but then again, the Republican party has been doing this for years, but again, I don't think, you know, the Republican party wasn't around back then when the founding fathers were, you know, writing the declaration of independence and the constitution. So now here we are. So the thing is um, when it comes to this podcast, you know, I, I'm, I'm mainly, yes, I'm going to get into, of course, you know, I'll pretty much what we can do, uh, you know, what we should be doing and what we can be doing about how to mobilize and what to do when the revolution probably will inevitably come. But um, before I get to all that, we really need to take a big step back here. Because in order to actually understand the enemy that you're fighting, you really need to understand the people also. And the thing is, is that Donald Trump didn't get into office on his own. There were dipshits in this country who elected him. Now, for how much anger I have with, with these people and you know their heads full of mush, um, I can't hate them as much as I completely detest them at this, you know, in this, at this point right now, but they are Americans who are very ill-informed. No matter what way you put it, they're very ill-informed. But at the same time, they're also Americans who have, who have a void in their life and have filled it with this narcissistic fucking dyslexic sociopath so 
In this episode, I'm simply going to go into what we can do. Well, you know what? Actually, sorry, let, let me word that differently. I'm going, in this episode, I'm going to explain how Trump supporters became Trump supporters. Because we have to go a little bit back in history, uh, mainly towards World War I. And because, you know, to this day, I, I find it very funny that, you know, the Trump supporters that I run into, you know, when I relate, you know, their, the way that they're acting and the way that their belief system goes, you know, it, it very much is similar to the situation, you know, that happened in Nazi Germany. Just nothing but a bunch of brainwashing, you know, but the thing is that, you know, Hitler, the one thing that he was good at is that he was very good at projecting. He was, a, he to this day, I do believe he's actually one of the best speakers who ever lived, you know, and when you have speakers like that, it sucks you in, you know, and you, I mean, to give you an example, I mean, you can go to a rock concert and hear and see your favorite rock band and everything, and you can't help but get sucked in because of the performances that they do. Basically, the same thing was going on with Hitler, except this was in a political atmosphere. And Donald Trump has seriously, you know, just done the same thing. He he is one hell of a speaker, even though, you know, he slurs like a motherfucker and he's, you know, just hopped up on fucking Adderall all the time. And he's dyslexic. <laughs> dyslexic is all hell. You know, but the thing is, is that we really need to take a step back and we have to understand how Trump supporters became Trump supporters. So there's um there's a book that I'm actually almost done reading right now. And the book is called Ordinary Men. And uh, I found out about this book uh, from a clinical psychologist named Jordan Peters. And he, um, or, I'm sorry, Jordan Peterson. And, um, you know, he is both um, liked and disliked on the left, but he also, um, for the most part, I would say is a centrist also. Now, of course, I don't agree with everything he says, but the man is pretty intelligent. And when I heard about this book that he was recommending to um, a patient of his, it really, it really opened my eyes to something. And the thing is, is that the patient that he um, uh, that he had, he referred this book to her because basically she felt that all or she felt that all humans were angels like literally she she grew up in that atmosphere her parents like taught her this stuff but the thing is that she actually had um a degree in uh in in liberal arts you know and she had studied history and jordan peterson simply asked her well didn't that kind of you know take away the beliefs of you believing that angels are or that humans are angels, you know, they didn't that make any sense to you. And the woman actually responded saying, well, yeah, I, I read, 
you know, all this stuff. And I saw, you know, what happened in Nazi Germany and everything, but, you know, I, I just compartmentalized it. And that was the key that, I, that, um, that Jordan Peterson actually um, needed to understand how he could uh, help her to better understand how to live life better and to understand the way humans really are. So um, the book basically, uh, the book is basically about uh, a, a um, German police battalion. It's, it was a police battalion 101 uh, and they were uh, state and they were stationed in Poland and they were assigned to basically go and police Poland after the Nazis had gone through there and claimed the territory. And th the crazy thing was, is that, um, you know, they actually had a very humane uh, commander and their commander, you know, told them, look, you're going to be doing some pretty brutal things here and things that you're not used to. And if you guys decide that you don't want to do any of this, that you can go back to your normal jobs. You, you don't have to police Poland or anything or, or and go along with this mission. You can go back to your normal jobs. And, you know, and these were, I mean, the, and these were middle-class men, you know, and had very simple lives. And they also, um, and they also weren't indoctrinated. You know, they weren't indoctrinated Nazis like, um, uh, you know, like how the Hitler Youth was. So, uh, but the thing is, is that you know, um, uh, I am, I am an essential worker, and I am part of a union. And when it, you know, and when it comes to union jobs, um, whether whether it's a union job or you're a soldier, police department, fire department, paramedics. You know, there's there is a big, you know, sense in love of brotherhood, and that's what and these men basically refused to go back to their normal jobs because they didn't want to leave, you know, the other men behind. They didn't, you know, you know, they just felt like no, if, if there's a mission that's going on, that we are going to work, you know, together. Well, these men uh, on their first mission, um, they were they were packed up into a bunch of uh, military trucks and stocked. It was all stocked with, you know, ammunition and food rations for how long they were going to be out in the field. And they were told for their first mission that they were basically going to go into, um, into this uh, small Jewish town. I believe it was, uh, on the east, uh, the eastern side of Poland, if I remember correctly, and um, they were instructed to arrest all Jewish men and round them up, and they were going to be uh, shipped off um, in cattle cars and used for work. But that they needed to understand after they were done doing this that they were ordered to kill all women and children all of them and this got down to the point where they were going into homes and tying up you know what means some pregnant women too you know but uh tying up women and their children and getting a getting a bunch of them all together in one house tying them up and just dousing them in gasoline and then throwing a grenade inside and just blowing them up and that any of the survivors who were ran who were running out of the building were to be shot on sight.
and they were. And this, this whole situation made these men physically ill, just absolutely physically, mentally, you know, emotionally ill. I mean, you know, and, and this goal, and this, this is repeated more than once in the book of how they kept doing this over and over and every single night, just getting more and more sick and just disgusted with themselves. But then at some point, at some point, they wound up getting used to it. And they got so used to it that it was literally no different than you or me stepping on a cockroach. And these men, you know, towards, you know, the end of the book were, were stripping women butt naked and pulling them out of hospital beds and, you know, pregnant women, uh, pregnant women and all that, and throwing them into the streets and just shooting them in the back of the heads. And they actually got used to it. And they were transformed with that, you know, they were transformed pretty much into Nazis and they had that, that Nazi mindset. And then, you know, of course the ideology came along with it. And, you know, the thing is um, to paraphrase, um, to paraphrase uh, Jordan Peters or, or Jordan Peterson, you know, a lot of people don't, when they read history, they don't um, look at themselves through the eyes of the perpetrators. They don't. They mainly, you know, look at themselves as the victims and they see themselves as being like the hero and, you know, and, and wanting to do good. But the statistical proof is completely overwhelming that if you, me, my wife, my family, if we were in Nazi Germany right now, we would have been perpetrators. We would have been. Now, you listening to me, you know, and, and again, paraphrasing Jordan Peterson, you know, you listening to me right now, you think that, you know, <laughs> you think that you would have gone back in time and saved Anne Frank. Well, you need to think again. Not every person is an Oscar Schindler. Those people are very rare. I mean, they put their lives on the line. They they put their families' lives on the line. Their their coworkers, their friends, I mean, acquaintances. You think that's you? <laughs> really? All that shows is that you know nothing about yourself, about people, about history, economics. I mean, you know nothing about yourself. You need to come to terms with yourself and understand that deep inside of all of us, there is a monster in all of us. We are the most dangerous of the animal world and in the animal kingdom. We are savage in nature. And hell, some humans are so neurotic. I mean, they I mean 
they're ne- some of them will be ne- are necrophiliacs. You know, I mean, I mean, human humans have fucked animals. I mean, yes, humans are very, very strange creatures and very savage in nature. And until you understand that, and until you can accept that, then you're never going to be able to to better yourself, let alone better the world. Now, I tell you this because when you look at Trump supporters, they literally are just that. They haven't accepted that fact. They're blinded. They're just blinded by all they see is what's in front of them. They don't bother to look inside themselves. I mean, for for God's sakes, there's, I mean, there, there are Christians. There's fucking Christians that believe that, that, that Donald Trump is, is like a gift from God to them. Well, then what the hell does that tell you about them? How far does this hypocrisy go? You know, but the whole thing is, is that these people have been brainwashed. They live in this fantasy world, you know, that makes them believe that they're the chosen ones. They're the real patriots. They're the ones who love America more than us. When in reality, they actually don't even realize that they know nothing about America. They know nothing. And it's astonishing. And just to give you, um, I'm going to give you a little bit of example of this. I'm going to play a clip for you right now. I mean, and of course, yes, I know we've all heard Trump supporters. We've all heard their bullshit and whatnot. But I mean, these people, they need help in some way or another. But they're going to learn very quickly that, you know, that the man who claims to be the one to give them everything is not their messiah. He's a cult leader. He is no different than Jim Jones, Charles Manson, the Heaven's Gate cult, and the list goes on. So let me play this clip for you real quick. And just after every single thing I've told you, try your best to just take my words and and apply it to just the bullshit that these people are basically saying. But maybe then you'll have a little bit more of an understanding after, I mean, maybe you'll have a little bit more of an understanding since I've broken this down a little bit better for you to understand how much it takes to truly break down the human mind. I'm sorry that you happen to be black in a black neighborhood standing on a corner where they endlessly find people with guns and drugs. I'm sorry. So they should be shot if they're not. They're not being shot. They are, but at a, on a disproportionate rate. No, Three times. I don't believe that at all. When you look at when you look at it. He's married immigrants. Three of them are immigrants. 
So what does that tell you? Is he a racist? No. What would solve the whole thing in the border if they would just start shooting? Only shoot a couple and they would go home. You think deterrence would work? If they would shoot. Shut down the dem- shut down the government. We need the money to put up that wall. We need a wall that is high as hell and as dangerous as hell to cross. People die crossing that wall. Maybe they'll just stay on their side. I think if they were Republican voters, they'd be stopped. <laughs> Uh, the the Latinas at the border. Yeah, we visited well, sanctuary c- cities in port up in Portland this summer. It was disgusting, and it's sanctuary and Chicago we sanctuary have cities, and we're familiar with that. We don't want that in our country. He speaks his mind. He says what's on his mind, and we're in his best interest when he does. I'm a mother of a child that's a little boy. What if ten years from now, when he's older, a girl claims that he raped her with no evidence? As a mother, do I just accept that? But what if you had a little girl who no one believed? I'm also a survivor of abortion. My mother tried to self-abort me. So I feel like that if I were a mother of a little girl, I wouldn't have let a 15-year-old go to a party and get drunk. I've said it for a long time. Women should button their blouse, cross their legs, and quit acting like they want something. And then they won't get it. Oh, wow. So you're saying it's more on the women. I think it's ridiculous. They're not traumatized. No, I mean, 30 years ago, be real, okay? Let's be real. So you're talking about Kavanaugh there? Whoever, whoever. You don't wait 30 years and then say someone assaulted you. Just don't do it. If anything, uh, she should have did like Monica Lewinsky and saved the dress. Oh, he did fondled me. Really? 35 years ago? This is a Democrat playbook, and everybody in America knows it. Everybody's great, happy when they get the Oscar. And then whenever, I mean, I'm not saying he's not a scumbucket. Harvey Weinstein? Yeah, but they knew what they were doing. So on your back, you got George Soros, Hillary Clinton, Obama, and the Ayatollah? As negative, not positive. Right. You can see Michael the Archangel casting the demon into the abyss. And then you have below them the enemies of the United States and its constitution. So can you explain why uh, Soros... Obama, Clinton, and the Ayatollah are the enemies of the state. Oh, come on. You know that. If you don't know that, you shouldn't be at a Trump rally. (laughs) Slight. First of all, uh, the very last guy who was talking, uh, he actually, um, when she said, like, oh, on your back, you have the archangel, and, and then the guy's like, oh, yeah, and then down below are the enemies of the Constitution. Well, that's actually a tattoo that's on his back. That wasn't a shirt. And, uh, you know, go out, you know, you gotta love it. You know, when, you know, the guy's like, Oh, they're the enemies of the constitution. It's like, motherfucker, you haven't read the constitution at all. I can guarantee it. And, you know, for, for the women on there, say like, Oh yeah, I, we've been to sanctuary cities and they were disgusting. Uh, lady, I have been to Ohio. Okay. I have been to many Republican States. Okay. And Ohio was by far one of the worst ones where I was actually jumping over fucking heroin needles. And not to mention the fact it, you know, I was, I went to, uh, uh, Atlas, Ohio and, um, literally, it's literally like Detroit looking, you know, buildings just crumbling to, you know, just crumbling and decaying in the middle of a fucking forest. Okay. And the very first guy you heard on there pretty much like didn't have, you know, too many teeth in his mouth. So I can only imagine what his brain looks like, you know, but you see folks, this is the thing you know, that I'm talking about here. I mean, even the guy on there who was saying, oh yeah, you know, when people jump the borders, you know, we should just shoot them. Just some, just some. 
This is the type of shit that was uttered back back in, in Nazi Germany, for God's sakes. You know, it's like, yeah, these are our Americans. It's like, you know, and the sad thing is they're just, they're ill-informed because, you know, hatred is taught. We, you know, and for the ones who, who actually have brains, we know that. Hatred is taught. You know, we're not born into it. You know, humans, you know, through cognitive science, it has been proven that humans are altruistic. You know, humans actually, you know, express compassion, empathy, and sympathy. I mean, it's in our nature, which is why a part of me is like, you know, I, I can't help but feel sorry for, for these people, even though they, they make me want to fucking puke. And if I ever met them on, you know, ever met these type of fucking, you know, supporters on the streets, I, I think I'd run out of middle fingers. But, you know, but this is what happens, you know, when you when you have. You know, a corporate run media that. You know, I mean, well, that's, you know, I mean, that's one of the mainly one of the big ones there. But, you know, you know, I mean, in the Constitution, I mean, it's it was even said right there that I mean, we are supposed to have an independent media so we can actually call out bullshit when it comes to a president like Donald Trump. But when you have corporate run medias, then you get shit like this. And of course, people will point, you know, and that's pretty much you know, all Fox viewers right there and anyone else, you know, and fucking Rush Limbaugh. Ugh, God, that blob of fucking jello. Ugh. But, you know, but, but these are the people who get sucked in by that because they have only known nothing you know, but anger and hatred and just, you know, it, it, you know, it, it's just, I mean, I can go on and on. I'm not, because I, I told myself I'm not going to go on a rant. I'm not going to do that, you know, but it's, it's very hard. It's very hard, you know, not to, but in the end, until these people understand that their monster is showing they're never going to be able to better themselves. And that goes for all of us. Because when the monster is unleashed, this is the type of shit you get. We are teeter-tottering right now on losing our democracy. Because idiots like this would rather watch TV than read, than look up history than to, you know, read philosophies, you know, and, you know, and understand what ideology actually is. You know, I mean, you, they need, they need some kind of guidance, but sadly that's not going to happen, you know? And even if they were to, even if they were to listen to my podcast, I, I can already hear them now. Oh God, that's a, that's a fucking liberal cuck. Bleh. Um, <laughs> you know, but uh, sorry, uh, no, I just know my history. I've read it quite well. And I have read the Constitution more than once. It's, you know, and not, you know, I ain't going to lie to you. It, it is difficult, you know, because it's, you know, there, there's a lot of things in there that, you know, are a little bit difficult to read. But that's why you, you know, you, you go, you know, you venture out and actually find people who could actually help you out with things like that. You know, and, and don't just self-loathe. 
you know, and these people, you know, these people definitely, you know, it, it seems like, you know, they, they only know, you know, you know, just, you know, malevolence. I mean, that's, that's really all they, all they know and pretty much like what they've been brought up with because if they were ever touched by benevolence, I think they'd be looking at this from a different point of view, which is why, you know, you get, which is why you see so many, you know, or the, the Lincoln project is actually a good example. You know, those, those to me, those are real Republicans. I don't agree with their, with their, with their philosophy and ideology. And when it comes, when it comes to politics, you know, but when it comes to, to the traditional Republican beliefs, you know, yeah, there, um, there are a few things on there that, you know, that I can get behind, but now we have a party that doesn't go by that at all. You know, and, and for God's sakes, I mean, we, you know, I mean, there's even, I mean, there's even people, you know, who keep saying like, oh, you know, Donald Trump had the great, had the, has the greatest economy ever. It's like, well, who the fuck do you think made that? I said, dude, Obama, you know, came in and, you know, and yes, took out, you know, like a 700, you know, billion dollar stimulus package that, you know, to rebuild the car industry and, you know, and just rebuild everything. And guess what? It was paid back. But they don't care about that part. No. They all, all they see is just is just another, you know, it's just a black man up there who shouldn't be president. You know, but yet when Trump gets in office, oh my God, we had the greatest economy ever. It's like, oh, why? Because the white guy said so? Yeah, all right. <laughs> you know, Donald Trump has been, he's, he is literally, he's done nothing. He has not, the Republicans have not passed, like, what, 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 it, what, I mean, if you could think of one big piece of legislation that the Republicans have passed, I mean, I'd like to hear about it because I don't see it and I haven't seen it. The only thing he has done is give a tax cut to the rich. And all that does is make these people more poor. But what do they do? They're, you know, if, if Donald Trump gets out of office, what are they going to do? They're going to look at the next Democrat that comes in and every single thing that Donald Trump is fucking up right now. They're going to take all that. They're going to take all that and place the blame on the Democrat. Why? Because Republicans said so. Folks, this is our last chance. This is our last chance to save democracy. We need to seriously vote in numbers that are too big to rig. Because Donald Trump is such a sore loser, he's already saying, oh, uh, it's already going to be unfair. D he, he's literally nothing more... He's really nothing more than than the class bully that's playing a game of football then and decides to change up the rules in the middle of the fucking game. Okay. People do what you have to do. But we have to vote this asshole out. It is our last chance of saving this country. Because if we don't then these people are going to be in for a rude awakening. And I'd actually, um, I would actually, uh, uh, would tell you, 
to uh, look up uh, to look up a man named uh, Noel Kessler. Um, and uh, Noel Kessler, he actually uh, he he worked on The Apprentice with Donald Trump, and he also um, had signed an NDA. Uh, and he's he's not even he's not abiding by it. He's he's just saying what he has to say. And the funny thing is, that Donald Trump's not going after him because he knows that if he does, then the truth is really going to be exposed. So, um, you know, check him out on Twitter. And um, you know, people, these this day and age, it's really best to start listening to to real independent journalism. So, you know, podcasts is really the best thing that people, people like me and uh, people like Bob Seska, um, Buzz Burbank, and um, and uh, Stephanie Miller, you know, I mean, they're, you know, the, the, and uh, Tom Hartman, you know, the, these are people who, who do their journalism very, very well. And, you know, it, it's about time that we started listening to some real facts and real information. So I'm fighting off every I'm fighting off every urge not to go on a rant. You know, it's it's in my nature to do that. But for now, I'm just gonna leave it at that. And uh I look forward to uh to I look forward to the next podcast, and I do hope that all you will join me uh, for the next podcast. I am hoping to put out a podcast um, every Sunday, and it should be up. Uh, give or I mean, give or take around this time. But I, I live on a, a, a Pacific Coast time, so this would be around seven o'clock. And um, yeah, uh, just I, I I hope you'll all join me again because. Um, this has been this was a this is a big relief for me. It was also very fun. And I hope that all of you take care of yourselves. And I cannot express enough to please take if if you know someone who's never voted before, take them with you to, to the polls. Help them fill out a ballot. You know, inform them, give them real, give them real insight, give them real information. And folks, really, it's not that hard. If you want to break Donald Trump down, as he, it just, just make it very simple to break him down. Every single thing that he says is the opposite. Democrats are Marxists. You heard the first clip at the very beginning of this. Oh, the, 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 Democrat, the Democrats are, are rigging this election. Joe Biden uh, isn't in office and the Democrats don't have power over Lewis DeJoy. And the Democrats sure as hell uh, didn't install a bunch of their own cronies into the CDC to, to, you know, to completely you know, bullshit everybody about the pandemic that's going on right now. And for anyone who wants to say that, you know, anyone who could literally look, seriously look yourselves in the mirror and say to yourselves, well, you know what? Everything, I guess, is going okay right now. Let's just vote this guy in one more time. Folks, 
years ago, we weren't wearing masks. And years ago, 200,000 people, and that's both blue, red, independent, green. We didn't have that many people dead. 200,000 Americans are dead because of this man. And for those who want to back him up and say he's not like Hitler, you're sadly mistaken. 200,000 people, their blood is on his hands. This man has created genocide. And it's still and it's still happening. And it's gonna continue to happen even if he gets voted back into office. We're not safe in Donald Trump's America. So that's it. This is gonna be the end of uh, of Eat the Rich of the Eat the Rich podcast. I thank you all very much for joining me today. And I look forward to seeing you guys all again next Sunday. So until then, better dead than red. Good night, folks.